0: Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time, or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators.
1: I'm going to jump straight in, if that's okay. Uh, And I want to read to you from the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 18, and a little bit of context in between verses 1 and 4, Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament and uh, basically a voice on behalf of God to the nation of Israel. And there's a verse in verse 4 of Jeremiah 18. And Jeremiah, God shows him this imagery of a potter at a wheel creating a vessel. And in verse four, it says this, he, meaning God, was using his hands to make a pot from clay, but something went wrong with it. So he used that clay to make another pot the way he wanted it to be. You know, when I think of this verse, uh, I think of that movie, the classic in 1990, starring Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore called Ghost. If anyone, anyone remember that movie? Gee, anyone that's over the age of 40 is putting their hand up right now. Ken, you would have taken Moira on a date to have seen this. You've never seen it. You've never seen it. You guys need to get out just a little bit more. I mean, this is the classic, this picture here, She's sitting making a clay pot, and he comes up behind her without a shirt on, of course, which you can do when you had biceps like Patrick. And it was the Righteous Brothers song, if you remember it. Oh, my love, my darling, I hunger for your touch. Okay, I'm out here by myself right now. Yeah, thank you. Thank you i got some CDs for release afterwards if you wanna grab one of them, it's got my top 10 on it. (laughs) CDs, okay, let me explain what they are as well. (laughs) But here we've got the imagery of God at a wheel, a potter's wheel making a vessel. And the Bible says, but the vessel was marred in some versions, or let me read this version, something went wrong with it. But he still used that clay to create something else. And tonight, as I share with you guys, we live in a a culture, a time, where there are a lot of things running interference with the vessel that God has planned, which is you, and the person that maybe you feel like tonight. We live in a world that domestic violence is at an all-time high, that divorce, that abuse, abandonment, pornography, the social media onslaught that is bombarding our world today, all sending a message that something is wrong, that you aren't who you really, really should be. So this imagery for me of God creating a vessel, but also understanding that something did go wrong with it. But what God did is I think something so beautiful where God didn't throw the clay out and go, oh, well, that sucks to be that piece. It actually says He recreated that clay into something else. And I want to read to you a story in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, just snippets of this story because I think it's quite profound when we talk about things going wrong in our life and things trying to reshape the vessel that God wants and has pictured for your life and for my life. In verse 25 of Genesis chapter 2, it says, and this is the origins of mankind, and it says this about a man and a woman. Now the man and his wife, this is Adam and Eve, were both naked but they felt no shame. So you have Adam and Eve, our our great, 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 great grandparents, when God first created them, not wearing anything and not feeling unclean because of it. The Bible actually points out this word that they were naked and they felt no shame. Now, I don't know whether you can picture a world that, has no shame in it. If you can actually get your mind around what life would have been like for Adam and Eve to walk around in the nicky New, that means naked, no embarrassment, no sense of body shame, no sense of feeling like, ah, oh, look, I don't wanna show you my midriff because I haven't done my, my, my crunches yet or I haven't done my push-ups to pump my biceps up or, or with Eve worried about you know, the, the, the size of her breasts or anything like that. There was none of that feeling of, I don't wanna look in the mirror. There was just no sense of somehow we're wrong, we're broken. And yet come to Genesis chapter three in a very short period of time, this clay vessel that God had formed called Adam and Eve Something went wrong. And we read in verse six of chapter three, the woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some of the fruit to her husband who ate with her her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sowed fig leaves together to cover themselves when the cool of evening breezes were blowing. The man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man and said, "Where are you?" And he replied, "I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked." And what I think is intriguing about this story is that When they ate of the fruit and their eyes were open, the Bible doesn't say that they felt anger. The Bible doesn't say that they felt initially alone. The Bible uses a word that when their eyes were open, they felt ashamed. So they go go from a world that knew no shame, where the vessel that God had formed was just the way He wanted it, then to a world that suddenly knew shame. And in some way they felt we're wrong, we're flawed, we're broken somehow, and things changed. Let me show you. I've got a little triangle here. It's called the shame triangle. Just to unpack for you, what is shame? I want you to see it. Shame is a painful sense of humiliation, embarrassment, and self-condemnation. And it will lead you to see yourself and your experiences with great disapproval and disdain. Humiliation, embarrassment, and self-condemnation that continually work in people's lives. That's what got activated in Adam and Eve. Suddenly they felt embarrassed, humiliated, and then the self-condemnation began. Brene Brown says this about shame. Shame is that warm feeling that washes over us, making us feel small, flawed, and never good enough. In the 17th and 18th century, they had a, a, a shame tool that they would use called stocks and pillories. And some of you could have been alive when they used these things. Stocks and pillories were a way that if you did something wrong, as small as stealing a loaf of bread right up to to murder, they would put you in the community town square for day after day after day. They would put you in the stock, which is the headpiece and the pillories, which is the arm piece. And every day people would surround you and they would throw feces at you. They would throw rotten food, dead animals at you. And the whole goal of this process was to embarrass and shame people to change their behaviour. Now we look at that in 2023 and go, how ridiculous is that? But all we've done is modernised it. And today we use social media to shame people. Today we have governments that like to shame people. We have legislations that come out that like to shame people. We have families that get divided over vaccine policy and, 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 and mask policies that, that ultimately just want to shame one another into submission. So with what we think is barbaric, humanity today, all these years later, still subscribes to what Adam and Eve walked into, that somehow we are flawed and the way to change that flaw in us is to shame it out of us. But if you're like me, you don't have to be on this earth for very long to understand that shame doesn't have a positive effect upon our life. And if you look at the life of Adam and Eve, the first thing when they felt shame, the first thing they did was they started to hide themselves away. The Bible says that they got fig leaves and sewed them together to cover their parts and they hid from God. And that's what we do. We'll do anything and go anywhere to keep our life a secret. Because what if people find out what I'm really like? But what we don't understand about shame is that shame actually thrives in darkness. That's where it grows best. Research shows that not discussing a shaming event can actually be more damaging than the actual event itself. So keeping secrets about shame can actually be more damaging than the actual shame. And so Adam and Eve suddenly isolate themselves. They hide, they hear God walking in the cool of the evening in the garden, something that they used to look forward to, now they were afraid of. And this is why, and I'm I'm trying to give you some education around this, because I've been alive long enough to see this play out in faith communities everywhere where someone can be so engaged in the things of God, but something transpires in their life, but they feel humiliated, embarrassed about, and suddenly they start to disconnect from a faith community. And you call them and they don't get back to you. You text, there's no response. And when you see them finally, there's like this cloud around them. And you go, man, what's going on? Oh well, you know I've been through a few th- I've been busy and work on this and you go, "Yeah, I get it all." But you and I know there's something else going on, but we just can't put our finger on it. Let me tell you what it is. 9 times out of 10, it's shame. That something has happened in our world that we feel embarrassed about and the self-condemnation tells us, "You are broken, you are flawed, you are somehow wrong." And that's why we like to avoid Anything that may kind of challenge that thought, it's much easier just to slip out the back door than actually get engaged and do the deep, messy work of getting this thing resolved. In the book of James, toward the end of the Bible, in the New Testament, James in chapter five, verse 16 says this, and I love it, because this is one of the ways that we can actually deal with this, with this insidious uh, uh, stain called shame. It says this, confess your sins to each other And pray for each other so that you may be healed. And here's what's so cool Ken was up talking about, I think it was this morning or tonight, I can't remember now, about small groups and the importance of being in communities with one another, whether it be a life group, a small group, or whether it be just a couple of people hanging out together. Hear what James says confess your sins to each other so that you will be healed. In other words, we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to one another for healing. And that's why church is so vital. Youth ministry, meeting Mitch tonight, 51 kids at Highlands, man. If I was younger, I'd jump down there and fist pump, but I might twist my ankle. Why? Because in that community, if we do it well, Young people start getting connected and this stain of shame can actually get brought to the lights. And suddenly young people that have lived under this burden of feeling somehow flawed and somehow wrong because of what was done to them in their life or what they did themselves suddenly can get healed. Most of us, although we understand that we have been forgiven by Christ, And although we understand that our sins, God does not hold against us and He remembers them no more, most of us still are consumed or driven by a shame-based thinking. Somehow we think, I'm okay with God using everyone else, but I, I just can't accept that God would ever wanna use me. And we somehow still believe that we're something that God says that we're not we're somehow still flawed, broken and a mistake. And so for Adam and Eve, when they did sin and their eyes were opened and they realised that they were ashamed, they go into hiding because they suddenly had a belief that not only did they do something wrong, but they were now someone wrong. And that's the difference between guilt. Guilt is action-based. Guilt is when we have done something wrong. It's okay to feel guilty when we've done something wrong. I got caught on a speed camera the other day using my phone on New, in New South Wales on a double demerits weekend. 10 points, $2,000 fine. I know, you can feel my pain, can't you? So I just said I wasn't driving. Kathy was driving and signed it over. She doesn't know that yet, but... So guilt was good for me. I was like, oh man, I, I have put my phone away in the car. But shame is identity based. Shame says I am someone wrong. And now I'm I'm unlovable. And what happens in our life when shame has been a big part of our world? Those you messages that other people have said about us, over time we adopt them and they become I messages. Growing up in households where mom or dad or other people say, you're this and you're that, suddenly become, I am this and I am that. And to understand tonight that Satan, his main job is not temptation. His main job is accusation. And for every single one of us tonight, that he has a script that he wants you to subscribe to. And that script is that you don't measure up, that you're broken, And unlovable. But I want to give you some good news right now. Psalm 34, verse 5, says it in one of the best ways that I've ever read. It says, Those who look to him, look to the Lord, for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. If you were to write down a verse tonight, I want you to write down Psalm 34, verse five. And I want you to be able to look in the mirror and go, those that look to the Lord for help will be radiant with joy, no shadow of shame. Come on, you know the feeling of that shadow of shame when we've looked at something we shouldn't have, when we've done something and we know that that's not really what God would want from our life. And this is not a criticism because we all do it we have this sense of this shadow of shame that comes around us. And Psalm says it so well that when we turn our countenance towards God and to understand that God doesn't judge us because of it, but suddenly there will be a radiance of joy that destroys the shadow of shame. Now, I love the way Hebrews chapter 12, verse two puts it, It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. And then it says, despising the shame. So I want you to get this, that the opening sin, the opening flaw, the opening issue that Adam and Eve, the first human beings ever felt was shame. The first thing that Jesus, when he went to the cross, scripture tells us, defeated through his despising was shame. So, the very thing that separated mankind from God is the very thing that Jesus said when I go to the cross, I'm going to carry that stain. I'm going to die in place of that stain of shame. And that part of us that we feel just doesn't measure up. It's broken, it's flawed. Jesus tonight says, I have carried that to the cross for you. Now I understand that still may not connect to where you're at right now and that's okay. That's why when I read before what James says, Confess your sins to one another. You get involved with a small group of like-minded people that say, I want my life to be transformed. I wanna grow. I wanna become more Christ-like. And you start owning some of this and start sharing some of this. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. That that power that Jesus defeated of shame on the cross is going to begin to be outworked in your life and you will see a radical change in your life. You'll be able to walk into the doors of this church no matter what has happened without any shadow of shame making you isolate yourself or hide yourself. Some of the best leaders in this church are still hiding themselves because you've got a stain of past shame and you need to know tonight that that's not how God sees you. Right across this city of Toowoomba, there are people who don't wanna come to a church. They say things like, oh, the roof will cave in. But what they're saying is, how could God ever love someone like me? Almost about to land this plane, the musos can come. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. And in the New Living Translation, he says this. He says it about you and about me, keeping in mind the imagery of God at a potter's wheel. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. This word masterpiece, let me sound really intellectual. In the Greek is the word poyama. Now the word poemar in this reference here is where we get our English word poem from. But it actually refers to any piece of art. So I want you to think about this. When God is saying to us, to you and I, that you are His masterpiece, He's saying that you are my poem. You are my story. You are my vessel that I'm creating. You are my piece of art. You are something beautiful that I haven't finished working on yet. And yes, there may be a few little edges that still need a bit of work but I am committed to complete what I've started in your life. So don't be a person that jumps off the potter's wheel because you don't like what you see in the mirror because God's not finished yet. You're His masterpiece. And here's one of the challenges. We're really good at looking in the mirror and noticing what God got wrong. Again, for all the people over 40 or 50 here, you'd remember the show Happy Days. And Fonzie, most episodes, would go into the mirror, what would he do? I'm looking at the elderly row here in the front. (laughs) Sorry, Muzz. (laughs) Sorry, just elderly person in the front here. Fonzie would look in the mirror, pull his comb out to brush his hair and go, hey, put his comb away, you can't touch perfection. Like not a hair out of place. I don't know many people that look in the mirror And actually go, oh, right. (laughs) And if people do, we kind of burn them a little bit. Oh, you're so arrogant. You're so up yourself. But every time we look in the mirror and point out what God got wrong, we're saying, hey, you made a mistake with this masterpiece. Every time you think you can't be loved, so I'll go out and find love in a relationship somewhere, you're telling God you got it wrong somehow. Somehow, even though you promised that I'm a masterpiece, yeah, I just obviously on the potter's wheel that I'm just broken. But here's the thing, you may feel broken. I felt broken so many times, but God's not finished. And He may put you his fingers in you and just, well, you know what, those edges are a bit pointy, and that over there, and this part here, and but God's still shaping us. He's promised here that you are His novel, His sculptor, His vessel. You're His masterpiece. Let me show you one last picture. Kintsugi, oh, Kintsugi. It's the Japanese art of putting broken pottery pieces back together with gold. And I love this because we're in the Western world if something that's clay would break, we would throw it away. But Kintsugi masters will piece it all back together and lace the scars, the broken parts with gold. And it's built on the idea that embracing flaws and imperfections, you can create an even stronger, more beautiful piece of art. Every break is unique. And instead of repairing an item like new, the 400 year old technique actually highlights the scars as part of the design. And I wanna let you know tonight that the great Kintsugi master, Jesus, doesn't see your broken vessel and toss it in the bin and go, wow, well, that, just, that just didn't work out. And look for someone else. He actually looks at us and go, you know what? I, I'm in the process of still making something beautiful out of your life. And you may feel like you've screwed up, messed up so many times, and I get it, but God just says, you know what? If you stay on my wheel, I'm gonna turn you into something even more beautiful because you're my masterpiece. And for a bunch of people tonight, I know that shame is your narrative. I know it because I've been there. And we try and bury it deep and we try and power over it and But that's not God's plan for us. You can hide, you can isolate yourself, but understand all along God's saying, I wanna heal you. I wanna heal this. You don't have to live day in and day out with a sense of embarrassment, humiliation, and self-condemnation. God's power is bigger than your past. God's truth is bigger than your opinions. What's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you tomorrow. And what what once was will no longer be. Let me give you one last Bible verse and then we're going to pray. In Romans chapter 8 verse 35 in the Message Version, it says this. None of of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. So to every single person tonight that already in your mind has justified why God can't love you, I want you to hear that. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't, I care, but I don't care if you're addicted to pornography. Let me tell you something. Nothing can separate God loving you. He loves you deeply. Whether you've slept around with a hundred different people, you need to know tonight that can't separate you from God's love for you unless shame causes it. And unless shame becomes your narrative to make you feel too embarrassed that how could God ever love me? Because here's what happens. We try and change to be loved by God. And we think if I can just be a better Christian, then God will love me. And then what we basically do is get into a self-helps program and I've just got to do better, come to church more often. All wonderful things. But let me tell you, in the end, you just end up exhausted. What we need to understand is the way we change is actually understanding that we are loved by God. And when someone is loved by God, it gives us the ability to change. And so tonight, you are loved by God. And according to the Apostle Paul, nothing can separate you from His love. So there are five words I want you to go home with tonight. You are loved. You are valuable. You are forgivable. I want you to hear that. You are forgivable. You are changeable. And you're never alone. So my challenge to us tonight is simply this, do you wanna change the narrative of your life? Are you tired of living with the narrative of somehow I am flawed, broken and a lesser of a human being? Then as Psalm 34 verse five says, turn your face toward Him, turn your eyes toward Him and you will be radiant with joy and no shadow of shame will be upon you. Tonight, as we, before we pray, I wanna make an opportunity for anyone tonight. And someone may have said, hey, come to church tonight. There's this you know, overweight old guy from the Gold Coast speaking. And, and maybe you've come and thought, what the heck is this all about? Maybe you saw a song service and you've met people and there's all this, this positive energy in the building and you're kind of wondering what's going on here. Let me tell you what that is. That's simply the difference that Jesus makes in people's lives. We are not perfect. There is a whole bunch of us here that are still working through a whole bunch of stuff and will be forever. But together, we encourage one another that we're on this journey together. And maybe tonight you're saying, I don't have a community like this. I don't have a a hope for my future. I don't have a sense that, that a God in heaven actually loves me as you've talked about Ross. Then tonight I'm gonna make an opportunity for anyone that wants to begin this journey simply by knowing more about Jesus. It's not a commitment to sign up to any program or anything like that, it's simply saying, I wanna know more about this journey of following Christ. So what I'm gonna ask tonight is if we could close our eyes together and I'm gonna look across this auditorium and wherever you're seated right now, if you say, hey, I wanna know more about Jesus. I wanna start this journey of being a follower of Christ. or I just wanna know, I've got questions. I'd like to have some answers to them. Then wherever you are tonight, I'd love you just to slip your hand in the air. Allow me to see that hand up nice and high, right up the back there. Thank you so much. You can put it down. Who else wants to join that person tonight? I know there's four or five people here tonight and you know that you need to start this journey of getting to know Christ, getting to know more about Him. So right where you are, lift your hand up high and go, hey Ross, that's me. I'm tired of living with this sense of shame in my life. I'm tired of, thank you so much. Up the back there, you can put that down. Who else is there tonight? Just lift up your hand up nice and high and go, yeah, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ in this place. Right now, just lift it up high and go, yeah, that's me. I I, want to begin this journey of knowing Jesus. Quickly, wherever you are, lift it up nice and high and go, yeah, that's me tonight. I wanna start this journey. Thank you, sir. Over there, you can put it down. Who else tonight? Come on, that's three people tonight. I know there's one or two others here tonight and I can feel your heart beating so loudly tonight. But this is the beginning of of, of shutting the door of shame and starting a journey of following a God who deeply, deeply loves you. Quickly tonight. Last time as I look across, just lift that hand up nice and high so I can see it right over here. Thank you so much. Right out on the edge there, man. You can put it down. That is so, so good then I want us to pray together. And we're gonna pray for those people, but I wanna also pray for everyone else that's in this place. In actual fact, can we stand together? And can we do this? And allow me to pray. Father, tonight I pray for each and every hand that was raised high to begin this inquiry of what it means to follow Christ. And I thank You for that, I pray that for each and every one of those people, Lord, that this journey would be one that would be so fulfilling as they discover the vessel that they were originally designed to be. Lord, I pray for each and every other person right across this place. Father, I pray for every vessel that in some way feels like we're flawed. Father, where we struggle, understanding that we are Your masterpiece. And maybe we wrestle understanding that we are deeply loved the way we are. And Father, I pray right now over that shadow of shame. And I pray in this place, Lord, that there tonight would begin a journey of us Pointing our face towards You, understanding that You took shame upon the cross for each and every one of us. And Father, that we would stop despising the vessel that You've created us to be. We would begin to, to cease pointing out all of our faults and our flaws. But tonight, Father, we would begin to embrace who we are and understand that we are forgivable, we are changeable, that we are wonderfully and fearfully made, that You have not finished with us yet, and You are committed to the process of completing what You've started in our lives. And so Father, tonight I thank You Into every young lady that somehow feels a loss of value in who they are. Father, I pray tonight that they would understand that they are deeply loved, that they are Your child, that every young lady is a princess in the Kingdom of God. Highly valued, highly loved. And Father, I thank you for it tonight in the wonderful name of Jesus.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and wanna connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.